Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. I'm Pastor Sam. And I'm Patrick No Compromise with Evil Wyatt. And today we have a pretty interesting topic that we're going to be going over. We're going to be looking at an idea that, well, is generally kind of brushed off and brushed over in the church today. We're going to be looking at the idea of uh, fornication, right? Yeah, fornication. Um, it, you know, it's there's, there's some big moves to get other sexual sins uh, deeply ingrained in the church. This one you don't really have to put too much effort in because it's kind of there. It, it's just kind of along with culture. It's so, so widely accepted. It's just kind of, we don't even bat an eye at it in church pretty much at all either, That which is interesting because it's so much more pervasive than, say, some of the other sexual sins, such as homosexuality. Um, you know, relatively small percentage of the population is, is tempted in that way, but uh, the vast majority of the population is tempted in, in I guess you call it heterosexual fornication. Right, heterosexual fornication. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing to look at, too, because I, I've actually had this at different times um, used against us, kind of. I, I don't know if you've heard of any of, of this before, but this this happens once in a while so. uh, where people go and say, well, you guys talk about homosexuality. Well, why aren't you talking about people sleeping with each other, you know, people shacking up. And I'm going, well, it's not because we're not against it. It's, in all honesty, because that's one of the things that the the, the Bible is pretty clear on. And, yeah. and most people know that it's wrong, even if they kind of are um, still doing it. Even if they're trying to justify it in their minds, they still know it's wrong. It's much more open now than what it was. I mean, there was a time when if you were doing that sort of thing, it was a shame. And... Um, so even in your families, you would be catching flack from that. Now it's become so wide, wide um, across the spectrum of society. It's portrayed in movies, on television shows, um, so much so, so comfortably so, that it's just an afterthought. It's just assumed. Of course, it's taught in schools and, and everything else. All of society wants to believe it, um, but the Bible says a different story. Right, and this is so. So this is kind of something that that I find really interesting. Uh, actually, this how this is treated in fornication, because there there are two things I've noticed. The first one is is that this does seem to be the rule now. Um, even people who grow up in the church, they're uh, they're Christian, they made a profession of faith, but they they basically go out and you know they they go and they find a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they move in with that boyfriend or a girlfriend. Of course, mm-hmm. they're fornicating the entire time. And then they stop and they say, well, uh, we're, we're engaged and, and you know we're planning on getting married. That's my fiance. So, yeah, it's my fiance. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. And since it's my fiance, you know, we can act as husband and wife because that's my fiance. I mean, that's I've seen that um, both in people that profess a faith and people that don't. The common thing is like, Oh, yeah, we're living together, but but that's my fiance, so as if that makes everything better. Right. Now, n- now this is the other thing why I think this is pretty interesting is because when I was uh, dating and then engaged to my wife, uh, this is something that, that I was told from the secular world. Uh, I was working a secular job at the time, and, and people were talking to me. And uh, they, somebody kind of figured out that, hey, I, I was probably a virgin in, in that idea. <gasps> oh, no, you know. You, Does that do, happen anymore? Yeah, doing it God's way. Yeah, that's it, what the world says. Well, and I was, I mean, as politely as could be. I mean, it's rude when people tell you to sin. But uh, <laughs> be, people basically said, no, nah, you're going to want to test drive that first before you do that, before you get married. I mean, that was basically what people were telling me. They that's said, worldly theology yeah, right there. Right. And, well, and they said, you know, that's that's a really, really stupid idea, is what they said, you know, to, to preserve yourself for marriage. They said, oh, no, no, you, 
Yeah, you shouldn't get married because of this. Yeah, you know, don't, no, don't do this. That's bad. Oh, man, I, I tell you, God's way is the best way. Mm-hmm. And, and once you do that, you can't undo it. So as you get wiser later, once you've done this, you can get forgiven, certainly. You don't go into it, well, right. you know, I can do this because I can get forgiven later. That's the wrong attitude. But it, you can never undo something that you've done. So you ne- you'll always know yourself, even though God's forgiven you that you should have done what the Bible said. You know, when you get a little older, you also get a little bit more maturity about you, and the, the hormones aren't quite so powerful. But the most important thing is that relationship with God. Do you control yourself and act honorably towards that person that you, you love and want to give yourself to? Right. And, it, and you know, you, you think about this, too, in, in certain ways. It is best the way that God designs all the time. And so here's an illustration that I've heard uh, specifically when it comes to sexual ethic. And that is that a fire is good as long as it's inside the fireplace. If the fire is on the wall... (laughs) It's a real problem. It's a real problem. (laughs) And that's the same way with, with, with sex, is that it's really good inside the bounds of marriage. And that's all it's intended for. And the bounds of marriage are between a man and a woman. One man, one woman. That's the way the Bible defines marriage. That's the way God defined marriage. He's the creator. He's the designer. That's how his system works. Right. The other views aren't actual marriage. It's it, it's not. Whether No it's, matter what you call it. Right. It, homosexuality isn't marriage. Doesn't matter. But also on the other side, the idea of going and saying, well, you know, we're, we're married according to, uh, to common law or whatever, you know, that idea of because we've been shacked up for so long. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not how that works. Marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman before God and man. That's what that is, and that's absolutely vital to have. And, and this is the idea that, that fornication is wrong. You know, this is uh, something that's interesting, too, that's been brought out. Uh, several people who would go and say they're not pro-life, they're pro-choice, but they want to uh, eliminate abortion. And they go and they say, you know, I don't think abortion is a good thing, but I'm pro-choice because I think that uh, this is the best way to eliminate abortion, which doesn't make sense whatsoever. But they, they go and they rightly point out, you know, um, uh, fornication as an issue. Well, here's something that we need to say. Christians are against fornication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should because... That's what the Bible says, and that's what how God commands it to be. What, and oh, go for it. No, I was I was just uh, in talking about that. Um, it, it's kind of the way it's accepted, the way it's talked about, and and you know we want to look the other way. And some people will say, well, you know, I I really want to get married, but we just don't have the money right now for the ceremony, or they got this excuse or that excuse. Well, there's two options. Go down into the Justice of Peace, get a marriage license. And right. make that relationship legitimate right now. You can have the, the big ceremony or whatever later, but right now you need to do what's right before God or stop that relationship, stop the physical part, move into another apartment or something. Don't do that anymore until you're lawfully married in God's eyes. That's th- Those are two fixes you can do. I mean, and I know there's people, the sexual temptation is a very powerful temptation. And there's people faced with this right now. Maybe people are listening to this podcast. Those are, we're not trying to rag on you. We're telling you what God's expectations for, for your benefit. It's better for you to live in, in peace with God. And if you're a professing Christian, not to have that in your life that's holding that part of your life back from God. That's not the relationship you want with God. You want the joy of God's relationship between you and Him, not marred by this sexual sin you're holding back. And it can be fixed. And those are your options. Get married 
or stop that sexually. Not well. Well, we'll try to stay uh, apart. No, move out because you want to avoid appearances of sin too. As your Christian faith, you don't want to be showing the world that yeah, I claim to be a Christian, but I'm living with my boyfriend or girlfriend. That's a poor witness to the world. The world's going. Well, geez, I, you know, Christians aren't much different than me then. I guess I don't feel so bad. I guess if Christians are doing it, always be aware of that witness of the way you're leading your life as well. Right. Now, of course, uh, this is one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. And that mm -hmm. idea of uh, fornication is always adultery. That's that's really part of what it is. Uh, it, now, I mean, adultery is, is specifically, generally, somebody who's in the marriage relationship, but really it's just sex outside of the bounds of marriage is what adultery is. Mm -hmm. And fornication is specifically, of course, before you're married, looking at that. So you don't necessarily have to be married and then go outside of it. So that's a, a definition of fornication. But but where, where did this all come from, this idea to do this podcast? Because this isn't necessarily our normal topic, no. uh, but... This came straight from your devotions, didn't it? Something yeah, that you were looking I, I was, at? Yeah, I was reading. I opened up the Bible. I'm reading in, in uh, Thessalonians, and this jumps out at me, and I'm going, I don't know that it's ever hit me with this kind of uh, power before. I mean, there's other parts of the, the Bible that talks about fornication, how we're to avoid it, you know, keep our bodies pure. But but this one seemed to motivate me, and I, and I remember thinking as I read it and, and praying on it, we need to do a podcast on that. So right. if you want to read that that passage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. If you're at home following along now, now we found out this was important too. Patrick does his uh, his devotions in, in King James, and I did my word search uh, on this because uh, we were looking at it, and we, we couldn't quite exactly remember what the passage was. We wanted to make sure we got the right reference and everything like that. And and I was looking it up, and in the New King James, I, I didn't even look to see what word they used, but it's not fornication. Yeah, so it doesn't show up on a search. Uh but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, it says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of uh, concupiscencies. I didn't say that right, did I? Conspicuously, I think, or something like that. Yeah. That's a tough word. Yep, that's why I like the New King James. <laughs> uh, even as the Gentiles, which know not God that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all, as we have also forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, uncleanness but holiness. Now, now I got a few questions here I want to ask you, Patrick, when I'm, mm -hmm. when I'm reading this, because these are just things that jump out to me while reading this passage. The first thing is, of course, if we're looking at this through, through the window of, of uh, fornication is wrong. Okay, so that's the window we're looking at this through. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it says, first of all, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Not committing sexual sin, specifically fornication here, mm -hmm. is part of sanctification. Yes. How is that part of sanctification? Okay, so the difference between that and justification, you're justified when you become saved. So you're justified. Jesus' Tony blood covers your sins. But sanctification is that process now that you're saved of becoming more mature, becoming more Christ-like, walking closer and closer to Him, giving more and more of your life up, seeking that perfection that you'll never achieve in this life, but it, attempting to be that Christian that you always want to be, that, that great person of faith, um, that person that can mentor others, can disciple others. So it's that process of sanctification. This passage indicates that if you're living with this sin of fornication, it disrupts that ability from you to be moving on from, say, a baby Christian into a mature Christian. That fornication and sexual sin are not 
um, part of that more mature Christian. These are the things that you, with the, with the help of God, you put behind you. By an act of will, you decide to be obedient to God, not to the lusts and desires of your heart, which go against God's will. Now, that is a really, really interesting concept here. We think about this. Fornication hinders our growth, but really our growth in the Christian life is simply our relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. So it hinders our relationship. Now, I think of uh, Psalm 66, 18, where David said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And, of course, uh, the psalmist there is, is David. And we look at this idea with David. Um, he, at one point in time, did have sexual sin with Bathsheba. Yeah, he sure did. And so we, we look at that idea of he understands this idea. Of that was the sin that he did regard in his heart. It did hurt its relationship with God. Now, it doesn't take away that relationship with God, but what it does is it puts up blocks so that uh, people's relationship is is hindered. It's that idea of, of God saying, hey, I want you to repent, right? Right. And, and this particular sin is a persistent sin. It's a persistent temptation, I, I guess you'd say. Because you can be strong. You're reading your the Bible. You're praying. You're strong in your faith. You're walking close to God. You're moving forward. You're maturing. And then you get busy. You start skipping a few devotions. You don't have time to pray. And then with kind of separating yourself a little bit from God, then you're not as strong. And then the opportunity or the temptation hits. And now, whereas two days ago, maybe that you would have been solid as a rock, now you're more pliable and weak towards that sin. And that's the, that's the thing about this particular sin is it's usually always going to be there in some form or another. So it's so vital and important to remain in God's Word, to keep your faith strong, to keep those shields up, so to speak, to protect your mind, your heart, and your eyes, men, especially men, to stay away from such things as, as pornography, which mm -hmm. leads you towards these sorts of sins. So that temptation to view pornography leads directly into actions. And that in itself is a sin because in your heart, as Jesus said, you're already committing that sexual sin. There's nothing good about pornography. And I know there's a lot of people in the church and outside the church that this is a, a part of their life. And it certainly leads to these sorts of actions. It, it degrades women in the fact, and even women, it degrades men in the fact, if you're a woman that's looking at pornography, it turns them into objects rather than into the, the souls and the people and the, the unique image bearers that God has made us to be. Right. So it, it, it makes them something unnatural in an object. And we, that's something we, we don't need to be going there. That, that's enough of a temptation without us actively encouraging those thoughts in our mind. Right. Now, this is interesting, too, because it, it doesn't say, uh, you know, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should have a little bit of fornication. It says abstain yeah. from fornication. That's completely stopped. Right. That means none. Now, yeah. now you know, I think of the, the sin of gluttony. Gluttony is a sin. Okay, it is a sin. But we're still supposed to eat food. Yeah. Now, in, in the idea of, of sexual relations, we are still to have sexual relations, but only inside the bounds of marriage. With there is your to spouse. Be, yeah, there is to be none outside the bounds of marriage. Uh, we, we, we look at that idea, and, and this is absolutely important, but it goes on and it says something really interesting. It says that every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. What is it talking about there, Patrick, that every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel? So your vessel would be your body. So how do you act with your body? Do you honor God's word by remaining, as some would say, pure? 
That's that's possessing that's possessing your will too. So not giving in to those temptations. The temptation is going to be there. It's not giving in to them. It's honoring. And God tells us our body is a temple. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in us. So we're not defiling ourselves. And the Bible also tells us that th this other sins you commit outside the body, but the sin of fornication you commit inside your body. You commit against yourself. You commit against the person you're also fornicating with. And of course, you're always uh, committing sin against God. So possessing your body in honor is is abstaining from that and you know praying about it if that's a problem and with people it is a consistent problem you pray about it so that god's power helps you to overcome those temptations god says you'll never be tempted over and above what you can stand he'll give you a way out that way out oftentimes is seeking his will rather than allowing those thoughts to continue to run through your mind push them away focus on bible verses pray and find yourself gaining strength Right, and, and so this is something I think that's really interesting too, because it says that each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification. Yeah. So, so, so what's this talking about here? Just as Patrick had laid forth, sanctification is that becoming more like Christ at every yeah. moment, to growing in Christ, to becoming more like Christ. So we look at this idea here, is that if fornication hinders our sanctification, it does, we already looked at that idea. Mm -hmm. The idea here is that when we possess our own vessel, when we don't commit fornication, What's happening is that we are replacing it with something good. We're actually growing. And this is a principle that I think is absolutely vital. Not just take off the old man, but put on the new man. The new man. And it also gives you the confidence saying, look, um, I can beat this thing. I beat it before. But guess what? If you beat it yesterday, you're going to have to beat it today. So that's the Christian walk. It, it, you don't go to perfection. It's not like sin doesn't come into your life anymore. Temptation to sin doesn't come into your life anymore. It's that you have power over that sin. If you choose to exercise it, again, it becomes a matter of the will. Right. And, and there's danger. What happens if we simply take off the old man, but we never put on the new man? What happens? Well, the old man slides right back in, doesn't he? Right. It might come in in a different form. Yeah. It, it might be a different kind of weed that grows up in our life but it's still going to be a weed. We're not going to be going and in, in sowing seeds of righteousness, and so it's not righteous fruit that it will bear. It'll be wicked fruit that bears, and, and that's a problem because we don't want to just replace one sin with a different sin. Um, mm -hmm. th that, that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to replace sin with righteousness. Now, so far here, we've been listening to the Shining Light Podcast. Hopefully, you've been enjoying it, and we've been talking quite a bit about fornication. Specifically, we've been looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, if, if you're following along here. But if you want to find out more about the Shining Light Podcast, go to theshininglightministries.com. Once again, that's theshininglightministries.com. Also, you can find us on iTunes and Google Play. You can follow us there by looking up The Shining Light Podcast. Once again, that's The Shining Light Podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe because you want to listen to this and also share it with a friend or two or three. We, you know... Don't you think our listeners probably have a friend? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They have the, the good sense to watch us. They're certainly charming people. Oh, that's for sure. So, so go ahead and share this with a friend. But today we've been looking at the, the dangers of fornication and, of course, how the Bible does, in fact, speak against fornication. We've been looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. Now, Patrick, there's another question I have in here. Is that it really talks... I, I've got two more, actually. Uh, one is is that it talks about here basically that this lust is is even as the Gentiles which do not know God, is what it's talking about here towards mm -hmm. fornication. 
So is basically God saying, don't be like the world in this passage? <laughs> That's exactly what God is saying. And, and as we look at society, there's no stigma attached to this sort of thing anymore. So people, you know, they're not married or living with each other, by even buying houses together and doing these different things. And the society thinks it's absolutely normal. In fact, as your experience shows, it's thought to be abnormal if you hold to these old-fashioned ideas of saving yourself for marriage. But these ideas are not old-fashioned to God. These are God's ways. So therefore, we always honor God's ways. Society's going to tell you that this is perfectly fine, that we're a couple of kooks and nuts and you know, prudes or whatever else they want to throw at us for holding to what God says. But God doesn't change with the times like society does. God's immutable. What he said 2,000 years ago, 3,000, 5,000 years ago is still the same today. God doesn't change. Neither do his moral absolutes. If, they, if he did, they wouldn't be absolutes now, would they? The world right. will tell you there's no such thing, but we believe there is. Another little point I'd like to throw in here is people sometimes say, well, you know, I, I did this. I wasn't looking to do this. I mean, they can say this about adultery. I wasn't out there looking for that opportunity. But certainly when it presented itself, you jumped on it. So that's not an excuse. Don't think that it is. I'm glad that you're not actively out there doing these things if you're not actively looking out to do them. But if somebody else is actively seeking you to participate in them, you need to be just as strong. That's, that's absolutely right. We do need to be just as strong in looking at that. Um, and this is an interesting thing. Sin doesn't just touch on our actions. It touches in on our motives and our intentions. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Sin is still sin, even if we're well-intended, and even if we, quote-unquote, had the right motives. It, it's still sin. It's still sin, and sin is still sin, even when it's consensual. Okay, so let's say that, and here's an extreme example, but it does happen. A, a married couple says, well, we decided we're going to have an open marriage. So I can go out with ladies, and the wife can go out with men, and we can do these things. But it's okay because it's consensual. We've agreed on this. That's not what God said. God nope. defined marriage his way. However you want to redefine it or come to a consensus with somebody else does not make now sin no longer sin. It's still sin before God. Consensual or not, it's still sin. Right. God has a set of standards. And so that is something that's that's absolutely vital and important for us to understand. But I also want to touch in here on verse 7, the last verse in this passage that we're, we're looking at, because I think this is really important. It says, for God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Mm. Now, this is something that's part of our calling. As Christians, mm-hmm. it's not just that we are commanded, but God calls us to abstain from fornication. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a calling and a commandment? A commandment is a general a general thing for all of humanity. So when he says that murder is wrong, it's wrong whether you're a Christian or not. You should understand that murder is wrong. Now, calling is put forth for those people that are Christians. So those people that are his. So not only is it a commandment, he's given us a commandment. This commandment's for everybody, Christian or not. And that's a standard we're going to be held to as far as sin. But the calling now to you is up above that commandment. As a Christian, you have a higher call and you have a higher place and a higher standard is set for you that you are to be clean before the Lord and sanctified. You're not called to uncleanness. So you can't be a Christian, oh, I'm saved now. I have freedom in Christ. I can go out and do these other things. No, you are specifically not called to uncleanliness or sin. You are called to be holy as God is holy, to his holy standard. Right, absolutely. That that is uh, 100% right. In looking at that, man, we are called, God's purpose in our life Mm 
is that we would abstain from fornication. Mm-hmm. If I claim to be a Christian, and I'm trying to witness to you at work, and you're kind of going, well, you know, some of that stuff sounds pretty good. He seems to be a pretty good guy. And then you're at the strip club that evening, and I come walking in, or you see me sitting there at the stage, you're going, now wait a minute. You just told me that you're a Christian, and here you are at the strip club with me, you know, doing these same things. And, that, and that's another extreme example. But again, what does that say about my, my faith and my witness? You know what the Bible says, and, I, and I'm, now I'm given into sin, and that just destroyed whatever credibility I had with you. Right. That, that does destroy that credibility. It hurts our testimony. It hurts our sanctification, as we've looked at. But now I've got a couple questions here that I think are important questions to look at, especially concerning our culture. Um, because we do live in a, a pornographic culture. In fact, oh, yeah. uh, when you look at the statistics, they're they're almost identical. And in fact, they might be identical. I think they are. Uh, with uh, those who are inside the church and those who are outside the church. But even interestingly, too, a lot of it has to do with, uh, with pastors. Um, it's almost yeah. identical between pastors in the pulpit and those who aren't. Is pornography a form of fornication? Resoundingly, yes, it is. Because it entails, it does everything except for the actual physical act. The, des- the lustful desires are there. Um, what they're do, what people are doing while watching this sort of thing, of course, um, pleasuring themselves, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing. So um, the difference here is, of course, you're looking at something on a video or whatever, but it's the same thing. It's the same overwhelming desire of lust and fulfilling that lust selfishly in yourself, not in a relationship like God said. And it's in defiance. Yeah, absolutely. Pornography. What is pornography? It's basically you're watching prostitutes. People are being paid to, to do these acts. Right. And you're a voyeur. You're watching these people. So you're giving to that industry. You're, you're in fact, it's, it's funny, you're paying for them to do what they're doing, and you're not even actually a part of it other than what you're doing yourself. Right. And I think... Uh... And we touched on this just a little bit here, but the idea of in verse four, when it says that every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Um, looking at that idea there, I think that has that speaks specifically to pornography because you might be mm-hmm. going and saying, well, look, I'm, I'm not going and actually committing the physical act of fornication, but are you possessing your vessel, your body in sanctification and honor? When you're watching pornography, you're not. No, and you're obviously willing, if you had the opportunity with that person, you would definitely be involved with that action. So um, what you're doing, it's it's the same thing. It's the same sin. It's a different form of the sin, but it's the same sin. Right, absolutely. It's the same sin. And of course, we need to go and to stay away from as much sin as we can. We need to be going and becoming more like Christ. And of course, as the Shining Light podcast here, our goal is to shine light into darkness, to go into to shine light on these issues, and to go into call our church, the church as a whole, those who are believers, call this world and this culture back to the light by exposing the deeds of darkness. Any closing thoughts? No, uh, just just that this is something that needs to be talked about. A lot of churches, you're never going to hear anything remotely close to this because it's a it's a sensitive topic, and it touches people. There's people in church, maybe pillars in your church, that are engaged in this sin. That maybe it's known. I've seen this in churches before. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to touch that because you don't want to offend these people. But I would rather cause you a little bit of uncomfort right now, and, and hopefully the, the Lord can talk to you, the Holy Spirit, on this subject, and you can make it right with God rather than let it ruin your life in that relationship with God. 
That's absolutely right. Well, for the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with Evil Wyatt. Have a great day. You hear him talking about evolution. I saw something.